like hyping you up and talking about you i'm so excited she has so nice to meet you i gotta keep paying her that's all <laughs> that's, what it is. that's right <laughs> so we obviously brought you in today to the daily dose of dopamine and hey. <laughs> <laughs> to talk about um a topic that is not often discussed in our community but is so important especially because as we are rounding off the end of the month a lot of people don't realize that September is um, National Suicide Awareness and Prevention Month. And so mm-hmm. I felt like um, as the therapist that's a part of our podcast and, you know, working with you every day and, and knowing that you have spent a lot of time working with specifically veterans and also communities of color, um, we wanted to bring you in to talk about suicide prevention and awareness, but in a way that is, you know, it's important to be informative, but not so formal about the situation. I think, especially in our community, the formality is what tends to, to scare people away and the stigma. So mm-hmm. I felt like what better person to like break this all the way down in a easily digestible way. <laughs> so yeah, you kind of already spilled the beans on who you are, but for those of those of uh, you out there listening that don't know Dr. Cross. Can you tell us, just tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do? Yeah, so um, like I said, I'm a psychologist. And so one of my passions and kind of one of the reasons why I feel like I'm here is to help communities of color, particularly people that look like me, so Black communities. um, And in the pandemic, not sure what I was thinking, but I started um, a business called Remind You. And so part of Remind You, there's a podcast, I'm going to be doing like some workshops and groups. And um, that's just really just to kind of carry on the mission that I just mentioned, which is um, to help communities of color. So we can talk about mental health. So it doesn't always have to be, you know, really like stigmatizing. So it doesn't always have to be formal because most people don't seek mental health care but they might have conversations like this. So um, just to kind of create those spaces where we can have that, that dialogue. Absolutely. And I will definitely, one thing that I love about our friendship and our relationship is that there is enough black girl magic to go around. So we're very, we're very big on like um, picking each other up and hyping up. We both are podcasters. We both have our own podcast, but we both, you know, root each other on. So with that, I'll definitely drop the information for others that want to listen to your podcast. I'll put that in the description for today's episode and we'll make sure we tag you on the gram and all that. Yeah, I love the name of it. Thank you, bro. Remind you who you are and your words. Yes. Then there's an unofficial therapist, by the way. Tone and everything. She's our unofficial. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. <laughs> and a Broadway actress, in case you missed it. 
Don't get her started, please. Girl, we, we have a name for that in the therapy world. I won't go there, but you know. We're not diagnosing on a Sunday. Right, right. Yeah, please don't <laughs> diagnose me, friends, okay? I'm here to make you smile. You are. <laughs> you, do so well. you do that so well. So just jumping right in because, you know, we, we have a lot to unpack today, but um, I kind of just wanted to take an opportunity to share some statistics from the CDC on death rates by suicide within our community. And um, for those of you that aren't exactly familiar with statistics, sometimes it takes a year or two for statistics to catch up and for the research to be done. So these statistics are actually from 2018. Likely 2020 statistics won't be available for a year or two afterwards. But in 2018, um, the CDC has produced data that says non-Hispanic black men um, were 15, uh, 15% of deaths in this particular demographic um, between the age of 15 and 24 years. 15% of those deaths were by suicide, which I found really startling because it's not like we hear that often at all. Right. In our community, we hear that people are dying by high blood pressure or heart attack or are being gunned down or gang violence. You know, you don't hear a lot of times between the ages of 15 that we're dying by suicide. And 15% is, is, is anything. That's a big number. Yeah. And so um, the same um, non-Hispanic black men from ages 25 to 44 years, that, that, rate increased to 17.1%. From 45 to 64 years old, that was 10%, and 65 and older, excuse me, 65 and over was 8.9%. Yeah. And and again, we just don't, we don't hear about it. We don't hear about it at all. So I just wanted to say those numbers because when you put it into perspective, you know, it's eye-opening and I don't know about y'all, but that reading, just reading those statistics kind of just hurt my feeling. Um, yeah, which, it's sobering. Yeah, it really is. It's like, hoo-wee. And um, Dr. Christie, I know you probably have um, either heard of or maybe even known someone, especially coming from working with veterans, where that population mm-hmm. is even more at risk. Um, and I want to open the, open the floor to Danny and Emmy as well, but just thinking about those numbers, like have you all ever been personally affected or have you known anyone to have died by suicide? And, and did you hear about it? Did you, you know, how did you feel about it when you heard? Was it shocking to hear that a black person um, died by suicide? And I, I guess I'll go first. And that answer for me is like, for the first time in my life this year, someone I love and care about lost a family member. Suicide. And I was shocked, you know? I was shocked. Um, I, it was, it wasn't a situation where it was like, the oh, this person's been depressed, and it was very obvious that they were going through, um, you know, me- a mental health situation, which might have led down this path. So when I found out, it was even more like a gut punch for me mm-hmm. to hear that this person that I know and love lost someone in that way. So how about you guys? Have you ever known anyone or um, have been impacted by suicide in, in our community? Yeah. 
Um, absolutely. I, from high school to just friends of friends on social media, I've even found myself, you know, following someone for years on Instagram and, and then finding out that they committed suicide. And it is startling. Like you don't even know the person, but you can't imagine what grief they were going through as they posted, you know, this photo where you thought they were so happy, like literally the day before or you go back and you read tweets when you, they were like, oh, that was a cry for help. And it got a thousand some retweets, you know, because everyone is very expressive, you know, these days. And it's almost kind of cool to be toxic or cool to be depressed in a way where maybe you don't receive it for as a cry for help the way that it actually was. Um, so it makes you really kind of pay attention, uh, or at least attempt to pay more attention to those that are in your circle. And how can I see a sign? How can I be more present to those in my community? And it does feel weird because I think my whole life, it, no, my parents never said black people don't kill themselves, but it was just something about how I grew up where it didn't feel like we did that. Yeah. You know, it felt like a white person, right? Yeah. yeah, you know, and so for it to happen, it it it's scary. It's sad, and um, I'm just so happy that we're talking about it because I want us to be more honest so that we can save more lives. So they know that you're not weird for feeling whatever strange feelings that you have or moments of isolation, anxiety. Um, most of us feel it. We want to get it before it gets out of hand. So, yes, mm-hmm. I have experience. Yeah. What about you, Amy? Yeah, someone that I, I know um, didn't quite know them too well personally, had interacted with them before, but you know, it, as you guys have both shared, it's startling. And it really does, you know, it makes me reflect on, you know, giving people their flowers and appreciating and supporting and praising people. And it also makes me think about, like, asking the right questions. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have that person who, even if they're, you know, a de- there's a degree of separation, when you are in that space with the individual, are you taking everything at face value or are you doing your best to make human connections? Because you never know how one thing you might say could support somebody in a way that helps bring them back from what could be the edge. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's definitely scary. You know, I, I haven't had someone that I've known really personally um, commit suicide, but I think that there is there is a big taboo to talking about it, which is why similarly, it's so glad we're in this space. Um, people go through stuff and you never know what might push, what, what's, what might draw somebody to feel like they're now backed into a corner um, versus having the ability to reach out and get support. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I kind of connect with that too. I had someone from back home, um, a child, well, he was a teenager and I think the thing that was so striking was everybody was like, but he, you know, did so well in school and he came from this, you know, stereotypically perfect family. And so people were struggling after his death to figure out like what happened. And so I think it's kind of like sometimes we think, you know, people who seem okay on the surface or seem to, you know, have a lot of money or come from, you know, these sort of stereotypically good families. It's like, oh, well, they shouldn't have any problems. They'll be fine. But meanwhile, like, under the surface, they're like kicking and screaming. Um, And so that was kind of striking to me. And I think just a reminder not to like judge people for what they put out there, whether it's in person or like social media, because you just never know like what people are really dealing with internally, you know? Yeah. We talk about that a lot. Absolutely. We talk about that a lot on this podcast about people putting on for the gram, you know, and I'm, you know, historically, like I've been guilty of, because it's not, you know, also, you know, I understand that there's a spinster world. I don't have a fence, but I 
I also don't want to be that person that's like putting all my sad shit out there for the world mm-hmm. on social media. Like balance, you know, I don't want to sit in my puddle of tears on Instagram anytime right. I feel sad. So sometimes, you know, I'll post a happy picture or I'll try to smile and like put it out there. Um, which, you know, can make people feel like, Oh, Sid's got it all together. She's so happy all the time. She's, you know, this little bundle of happiness. And I'm like, uh, uh-uh, have one conversation with me and you'll find out quickly. <laughs> I'm a human being with yeah. human emotions. And I go through the gambit of them just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, in the vein of that, um, you know, this is a very hard topic I know to talk about, but I wanted to open the floor to anyone who's ever felt suicidal. Like, have you ever thought that before or, you know, even decided to try to attempt to commit suicide. Whew. So. I know, it's tough. So. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like we're here. We're here. And, and one, thing, here, yeah. one thing I appreciate about our relationship and this podcast is that um, we do find balance between being vulnerable and open because I feel like transparency is an awesome teacher. Um, and, and my personal motto, which I've shared with you, Dr. Christie, is um, my life might be the only Bible some people may read. That's right. So I've got to live my oh, life. I love that. Yeah, that's I, I, not original. Say it again. Let me say it again for the folks in the back. And, <laughs> and I created, let me just give, you know, props to do. My pastor um, from the church I was attending in Korea used to say that. He used to say, my life may be the only Bible that some may read. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that really stuck with me because that that's a reminder to me to live my life as an example for others. And that to me also can mean being transparent, especially if it's going to be a good be vulnerable, if it's going to be a good teacher. So in that vein, um, I'll just, I'll just say that, yeah, I have definitely, especially in the past struggled with what we refer to in the therapeutic world as suicidal ideations. Um, you know, there's, it's no secret on this show that I have been married and divorced and gone through all that, that goes yeah. along with like being in a toxic marriage and going through divorce like that shit is hard. And I don't wish it on anybody ever, but, um, you know, my first, my first introduction to the world of mental health came, um, voluntarily, but it was after I was like in a really deep and dark that I was seriously um, contemplating ending it all. Like I just, in those moments, like I felt like, I don't know, I felt like I didn't have much to to give or much to live for even. So it just kind of felt like, you know, this hopeless place of, I, I can't see a way out. You know, I've exhausted what I've known to do. Um, I've tried some things I didn't know, but people suggested. I've prayed about it. I've talked to people that I loved and cared about about it and nothing seemed to help. So, you know, that's where I, that is where I landed as far as like my ability to mentally process what I was enduring during that time. And one day I I can recall, um, I was actually stationed in Fort Bragg at the time. I was living in Fayetteville and um, a colleague just reminded me that we had the ability to go seek mental health services. And I was like, 
I'd heard about it, but I didn't know if it was for me. I was just like, mm. you know, especially in the military culture, there is this ugly, nasty stigma mm-hmm. of, you know, you got to be mentally tough and, you know, talking about your feelings is weak and mm. you are unstable if you've got mental issues. And then be- being viewed as unstable could cost you your job in the military, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So at the time I struggled with it, but I ultimately decided, okay, let me go talk to somebody. And I spoke with um, a licensed clinical social worker. And it was so interesting because as an officer, I knew about some of my soldiers that were having issues mentally and, and like having just challenges with processing things and kind of just navigating this space they were in. And I remember walking in to my first intake appointment and, and telling the receptionist, like, is there a place where I can go sit that I don't have to be seen just in case my soldiers walk in here or, you know, people that I know, like I was really ashamed and embarrassed and I didn't want to sit out in the waiting room. So she told me, she was like, you know, I actually have a lot of officers that come here that feel like you. And yes, we can, we can take you to this other area because, you know, with rank structure being what it is, you don't want the 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 roles to become confused or people be like oh I saw right Kenny Young up there trying to get her you know so yeah. <laughs> she took me to the back room and I walked in my battalion commander was sitting there wow my lieutenant colonel battalion commander was sitting there and we exchanged glances and it was almost like as if to say without saying like you're a secret safe with me. So it was like this this understanding that my lieutenant colonel, almost colonel battalion commander, was enduring something that led him to this same therapeutic space with me. And to me, that was confirmation. Like, it's okay. This is safe here. You can, you can let go and just open up here. So that was my that was my start of like my therapeutic journey. And from that point forward, like we worked through how I can, you know, get out of that place mentally where I was feeling like suicide was my only option. Um, it gave me hope. It gave me an outlet to talk. It gave me tools to practice distress tolerance. It gave me, you know, just all kinds of things that I was able to put into my tool bag to self-soothe and cope in a healthy way versus some of the unproductive and unhealthy ways that I was formerly coping. (laughs) So, um, Answer your, that was the long answer to your question, Danny. But yes, I yeah. have been there. I have felt that way. Um, it's not fun. I don't wish that for anyone. But I will say, if there's anything that the listeners take from this, is that you don't have to stay there. There's help that's available. Um, there is a way out. There is people who are willing and and want to like really just want to help you out of it and desire. There are people whose life work it is, Dr. Christie, myself, to make sure that your mental health is paramount. Like that's why God put us here. I know that's why God put me here. I know that's why God put you here, you know, to help people get to the other side. Yeah. I mean, I can speak to it too. Like as a creator, I feel like most of my life I've attached the idea of success to my accomplishments. You know, what show could I book? What commercial TV, all of that. And, you know, this pandemic came and just took, it seemed like it took everything away, it took all the opportunities and no way to see what could come from it at all. I mean, to this day, many of us 
Broadway performers, actors, TV, film, we don't know what's next or how to even kind of construct a plan, really. We've been forced to kind of sit still, not kind of, forced to sit still and face it. And the beginning of the pandemic, it just hit me really hard. And I, for the first time, had like extreme um, ideations of suicide. And I didn't even know how to articulate it to my loved ones. You know, I was continuously posting and making other people laugh. And I thought that that would get me through. Um, And I realized that it was a sense of seasonal depression and it made me seek out a therapist because I had never been that low before. And it scared me that I was thinking that I didn't belong here anymore, that I wasn't worth waking up and experiencing life with my loved ones. Um, so, I mean, as you know, big pandemic, that was March. So, I mean, it's pretty recent and I'm, I'm grateful that, I mean, I haven't, I guess this is a testimony. I haven't had any of those ideations, you know, since then. And so I'm grateful for my community, people who didn't even know. I mean, even this podcast, it just came at such a good time. And I think it's very important that, that I say, I was a little nervous, like maybe I shouldn't tell my business, but I can only imagine so many other creatives that have attached who they are, their self-worth to accomplishments. And when you take that away, we don't even know how to love ourselves. Like a friend of mine asked me to write a a love letter to myself. And I was like, oh, that's easy. And I wrote and I read it back to her and it was, I love how I treat my friends. I love how much I love my family. It was everything that I do for other people. And she called me out about it. And I'm like, well, that's love. And she's like, yeah, what do you love about Danielle? And that just... I love that. It It knocked me out because I couldn't, I couldn't say what I loved about myself. And so that's Mm -hmm. kind of the journey that I'm on is, you know, what is really loving yourself really look like? We say it on our podcast. We say it in our, our daily doses to love ourselves, but like the actual action, the journey of making, making sure that you do love yourself and that you do things that align with loving yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I truly believe the more that I find ways to love myself, everything else, falls into place. Um, so anyway, yes, I can identify with that. And I'm just so grateful to God and the communities that we're speaking about this more and um, allowing people to know that you're not alone. And as Black women, it's almost like we're ashamed because we're supposed to be so damn strong. You can't tell people that you thought about killing yourself. You can't tell someone that you actually thought about a plan or you thought you didn't belong, you had anxiety. Um, so I just think it's so important that we you know, use our life you know, the way that you said that your pastor should. Yeah. Well, listen, friends, thank you for sharing that. That is, um, it's not easy. It's not easy. And it's, there's even like, even me that knows better, there is a slight, like, mm, like a little bit of stigma, a little bit of like shame still that, you know, that as humans, therapists are not like, you got to work through that stuff. Right. You know, so being a therapist doesn't eliminate you from being human first. (laughs) You, you have to experience things that come up too. And so I, I honor and appreciate your transparency about that. I know it's not easy to talk about, especially given that this is March we're talking about and are just a few short months later. So, um, I'm glad to still be able to call you my friend. I love you. Um, I love you too. Yeah. And Hey, I, I know you know this, but if there's ever a time that you just need to pick up the phone and call me and like work through that, you can do that. Sure. Girl, I'll come get you. Come on. I know. I know you street. <laughs> now, I think you that there's... Call me too. <laughs> Look, you got yes, a whole village trying to get a village. village. You know, I, yeah. I think there really is something that's just so powerful about having that strong village around you because, you know, while I haven't, I haven't personally experienced 
you know, suicidal ideations, or but there've been really low and hard days. And I think a lot of them in the last like two years, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, coincides with becoming a mother, where trying to figure out so many different things all at once, trying to navigate, manage relationship, parenting, friendships, you know, it's a lot. And it just piles on more and more every single day. Um, and so I'd love to talk a little bit about like the reasons why somebody gets to that point. If you could, if you could educate us a little bit, Dr. Christie, I know that we've, we've heard from Sid and, and Danny from their own experience, but are there other experiences that you've heard about or that you've supported people through? Because I really don't want our listeners to leave this feeling like, well, that was them. Yeah. Like, like there are so many other voices and reasons and ways people get to this point. So if you could just share a little bit from your experience, you know, why do you think someone chooses um, and, or gets to that point where they feel this is the only choice? Um, yeah. Well, I think, and I was, it's funny because I was pulling up something on my phone because as Sydney said, we are all a work in progress. And I don't know if y'all can see that, but it says do more of what makes you happy. So I took this picture yesterday. I was getting some bunt cakes for a birthday party and kind of like Danny, as you were saying, like we're all on this journey and I and right now, you know, in all transparency, I'm on this journey of like, as a mom, as a wife, as everything, it's like, and I put myself first, right? And so while I have not dealt myself with, you know, uh, thoughts of self-harm or anything like that, I think that speaks to how people get there because there a lot of times we're so busy making other people happy or putting the needs of other people first that we forget about ourselves. And then when you tackle trauma onto that, when you tackle stress, when you tackle, I'm just going to put all this stuff in this closet and pretend it doesn't exist, right? And then a pandemic hits and you're like, wait a minute, what in the world? <laughs> Girl, what to do with all this? That closet comes bursting open. Man, it really does. And and it's stuff from years. You know, we think it's just the pandemic stress, but it's like, hey, like when you were seven, you didn't deal with that and you kept going. And so, you know, a lot of times people don't have um, the ability to say, I'm I'm not doing well, or they don't feel like it's safe enough. Like you were talking about, Sydney, about you know, um, having your superior there in the room, it's like this secret that you're carrying, you know? And so if we can create these spaces where people feel like, oh, you know, Emmy's not going to judge me if I tell her that, you know, I'm a mom and I'm depressed and I don't want to be a mom and I feel like I want to kill myself. If I know that I can speak that truth to her and she's going to listen and be like, okay, sis, like now let's go and, and get some help or support together. Right. And people don't have those spaces or they feel like they don't have those spaces, right? They might have them, but they're not sure about it. So instead they kind of internalize it and they just keep, keep it all inside. And then eventually it's like, you know what? I don't have the resources. I don't have the coping skills. I don't have the village or the support. So there must not be a reason for me to be here. So I will just not have to be here. Um, and that myself. But I think the other piece that that people often struggle with is they just want a relief from the pain. It's like a lot of times it's like, well, I still want to be here. But like right now, this pain is just too much. So by not being here, by taking, you know, some pills and I can release the pain. Like I hear a lot of times from patients over the years, it's like, you know, doc, like I just wanted the pain to go away. I just wanted a night's, you know, worth of good sleep where I didn't have to deal with the depression or the anxiety or the pandemic, you know. And so 
lot of times people get to that point because the pain just becomes too much and it feels unbearable. And then you couple that with like not either, either having the resources or not feeling like you have enough resources or support to be able to deal with all that. And that can lead to thoughts, plan, or intent of harming yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's so real. One of the best things I know I've ever done for myself is investing in myself and going to therapy. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. like part, it started off as like, I just need a gut check of like, yeah. crazy. <laughs> like, hey girl, okay. like that. it's week 86. Let's keep it rolling. Come <laughs> <laughs> on. Uh, I think that like building the, it's a skill, it's a skill set, right? Like yeah. trying to name and understand your own emotions and, mm-hmm. you know, have a non-judgmental space to bounce that thinking off of with somebody yeah. going to judge you and to an extent, like, yes, you're paying them or sometimes it could be free, but I think that it's, it's so important that, you know, we, as we, as people, black, brown, indifferent, male, female, mm-hmm. we check in with ourselves mm-hmm. in with yourself, see what's going on. You know, Danny, I love that exercise of like, write a, letter, a love letter to yourself, like challenge some of our listeners, take that time and just sit with yourself. Um, you know, I've said it before a couple of times, like, 2020 is the year of getting your house in order. Yes. And your figurative, we're in the house, so go clean some. But at the same time, sit with yourself and, you know, get to the root of who you are and who you want to be on the other side of whatever you're encountering. Because 2020 is a trip. Yeah. (laughs) Self-work is the hardest work that we'll ever do. Like no job, no, even motherhood from like all of my friends that talk to me about it even feeling guilty of putting yourself first or, you know, trying to figure what that looks like, you know, in partnerships and relationships, having your own personal career and life and then collectively being a unit, you know, um, it's just so important to do the work. And a lot of times you don't know, you don't really know how, which is why therapy is so important because that person is giving you coping mechanisms and tools and resources. So, I'm going to be sad again. I'm going to not book another show one day. I'm going to have maybe a moment, God willing, maybe I won't have it, but there might be another moment in my life where there's a pause where I'm not in a show or not doing something that makes me feel important or creative. And instead of me going down the dark rabbit hole, now maybe I can call upon some of those tools that I learned, you know, from my therapist or my circle of friends that has promised that they were like, Hey, don't not call me, call me. Um, and that can save, save a life. You know, I feel like therapy definitely saved mine. I know that. I definitely say that. I love that we're, you know, part of what we do on this show is to break down the stigma around it all. So I, I, I love that, um, we all are, <laughs> we're all in therapy and we're all very open about like, I have a therapist. So I'll be going right. listen, <laughs> listen, because it is so freaking important and we need it. And I'm always, always going to be the biggest advocate. <laughs> always. Facts. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. You need. We do. And you need somebody who's not, who, who you don't have to see every day. Right. Because the way that, Emmy might give you feedback, Sydney, is different than somebody who doesn't know you, you know? I don't know. She might give it to you completely straight. But you know. <laughs> she's a straight shot, no taste the kind of girl. But I need that. But, I, but that's how I need I yeah. to talk that way. Right. Only, on days that, only on days that it would day, but yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Having some every day. Is, you know, who doesn't know you, who you don't have to see every day, who 
sees things from a truly unbiased perspective, I think can be helpful too. You know, what I think is also really helpful is that in, of course, the information you share with your therapist is what you choose to share. I think there is a lot to, you do dig and you, and you give the information they need. What I think was really helpful for me is that my therapist helped me identify trends. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you're so in it, it's hard to see the connections between the different events that are happening. And sometimes you might think of them all as isolated, individual, independent That's events. Good, mm-hmm. You get that through yeah. line, you'd be like, ooh, wait a Why minute. Why you read me like mean, this? But that hurts your feelings. Like, like, it hurts sometimes, you right? hurt me up like, you know, it's like, it's like so, tell me, so you told me last time that you did this. And so now you're telling me this time you did the same thing. And it's like, but that was, oh. Uh, <laughs> yep. It's like those aha moments. Yes, like, yes uh-huh. right? And it's like you, you, you know, in, in the moment, you're like, I, I just knew those things were separate. I knew that. Yeah. And then it smacks you like a ton of bricks and you're like, and I think that for me, for what, what it, it helped me do so much of is like get to the root of you, like in so many ways, like you, you're pointing one finger at you, you have the rest of them pointing back at you. Like, it's, it's, you know, know, know what you want to get, but then you have to change what you're doing. You can't always change what someone else is doing. And I think that's what really guides you down the path of making that change because so many people go trying to like, I need my partner to change. Mm-hmm. I need this person to change. Mm-hmm. change. When at the end of the day, it's like the is reading me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Again, only days that end in day. Look, <laughs> one thing that I appreciate um, kind of, Kind of what you what you said, but a little different. I mean, is and then we all have our things that we love about our respective therapists. My therapist, I love that she can call me out when I am trying to portray a situation that that looks different than what it is that I'm giving. And she'll like be like, "Is that honest? Like, did is that like like she'll not that I go in there lying. I never my my intention is never to lie because you only get out of therapy what you put into it, right? right. But she sees through my bullshit and I appreciate that because I can come in with this presentation that's all put together and she'll be like, let's, let's unpack that. That does feel, I feel like there's something that it may be missing from this situation. And I'm, you know, I'm quick to be like, well, he did this or she said this. And she's like, okay, so what part did you play in that? And I'm like, hmm. you know? So with that, like, I just want to say too, when thinking about talking to, you know, a friend, for those that are not ready to be in a therapeutic space, what I will say is a lot of times what keeps people from, for example, like Danny, you shared, you you didn't necessarily want to share that with your friends and family yet. But I think a lot of times what keeps people from wanting to share is that they feel like they're a burden. They feel Mm -hmm. like they don't want to come and dump what it is they're going through on someone else's plate because they've, you know, Sid's got her own stuff going on or Amy's a mom or Dr. Christie is, a mom, a podcaster, a professor, she's got her business, she's doing all this stuff. She doesn't have time to hear about what I'm going on or, you know, I don't want to add this to her plate, so I'm just going to keep it to myself. Mm-hmm. It's why, one, I always circle back to therapy if it's available to you because I understand it's not always available to everyone for whatever reason, equity, you know, cost, whatever the case is. But if you can't or don't want to go to therapy yet, I will say find someone who you feel um, or will tell you that you are not a burden to them and that is really willing and open to accept what it is that you have to say and just be in a position to receive that and sit with that. Um, and also respecting the fact that sometimes people aren't able to sit with that, like knowing kind of how to fill that difference out. 
Um, but also seeing that it's not a weakness, um, yeah. too. I think for me, that was the biggest thing. It was less about, I had moments of feeling like I didn't want to be a burden, but it was more so that I am such a strong person. Like if, yeah. if anyone's going to talk about Danielle, they're going to put that in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me to be feeling this way, it felt weak. It mm-hmm. felt like I can't sell this to anyone. Yeah. Like, well, how will they view me? Also, I didn't want this to now carry on to other parts of my life. So now I do other things. So I'm like, well, that's the girl who wanted to kill herself. You know, I just didn't want this idea to, to travel and follow. But then I felt so empowered. I even feel so empowered now speaking about it because it's absolutely a strength that I was able to identify how low I was, you know, and, and now try my best not to ever be there again. And then I think that there is depression is necessary you know, for, in order for us to get to the top of that, that mountaintop and to stay there and to be at peace and be at joy. I'm not saying everyone has to be depressed, but I don't think that there's a stigma that is so wrong to even say it. We want to say sad. We never want to say like, I'm depressed, but that's, that's a real thing. We are depressed. You know, how we know when we get to that other place that we haven't said and experienced some of it. So I agree absolutely with everything you just said. Absolutely. Um, and I think you are right. There is so much empowerment in being able to identify it and so much, there's so much more strength in your vulnerability than there is in choosing to keep it bottled up and and sitting and tucking it away. There's so much more strength in just being like, I need help. I can't do this all by myself anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, so Dr. Christy, I want to know, like, we can kind of go a little clinical now or maybe um, break down for those of us who aren't, aren't as familiar, but what are some of the warning signs? I know it can, you know, depression can look different across the spectrum for everybody. We all have our different things that are going on and what might make me feel sad or depressed might not be what makes Emmy or Danny or yourself feel right. hopeless or like committing suicide, but for those out there that have never dealt with this one-on-one, like what would you say are some of the warning signs that people can look for if they maybe feel like, oh, my sister is kind of depressed right now. I'm not sure if she's feeling suicidal. Like, what should they be looking for? Yeah. So I think you want to look for what people are showing you, but you also want to look for the things people are not showing you. Right. Because if there's, if people are so to Danny's point, like so big on like the shame piece, which I feel like our society just reinforces, then I'm going to do everything I can to not show you that I'm not, that I'm in a, a, a difficult place right now or space right now. So you want to look for what people are showing you, but also what are they not saying or what are they not doing? So, you know, some of kind of the classic things you want to look for, or if someone's saying, like, I don't want to be here anymore, or life is not worth living, and maybe they're having a day, especially within the pandemic. But when that starts to happen for more than, you know, a day or starts to go on for more than moments at a time, um, then that might be an indicator. If people start disconnecting, right? So if, you know, if, Sydney, you're always, you know, connected to people, and all of a sudden you just, you know, peace out and like nobody can hear from you or you don't text people back and you're like disconnecting from other people, that can be kind of a big uh, warning sign. If people start to give away items, right? Like here's this fine china or here's my, you know, favorite sorority jacket or what have you, you know, you start giving away stuff that are like prized possessions. A lot of times that could be a warning sign that something's um, kind of happening. 
also when people start sort of saying goodbye. So a lot of times if people are ready to get to transition or to make an attempt, um, they might start saying goodbye. So they might say, you know, Emmy, your relationship has meant so much to me. Um, you know, thank you for all you've done. And so it feels like, are you taking a long trip? You know, there's sort of like this, there's a difference in kind of how they're um, expressing how they feel to you. So you want to kind of listen for that as well. And, and when I say you want to look at for differences or what they're not doing. So if someone's constantly going to work, right. Um, or they're constantly, you know, on social media, right. And all of a sudden there's a, there's a stark difference in what they're doing, right. They're all of a sudden they're no longer coming to work or they're no longer um, checking in on social media. Those are differences. And so a lot of times those changes in behavior can be indicators that at least something's going on. They may not be suicidal, but, you know, something is probably happening and that something can lead to suicidality. So you want to look for some of those changes in behavior. And then, of course, like external pieces. So, you know, is their hygiene changing? Is their attire changing? At least I know now we can't really see people from the bottom, but, you know, from the top up. Uh, are we noticing some differences in their appearance um, that might be going on with them as well? Um, so those are some of the kind of key indicators to um, to kind of look for. And then I just think it is so important to ask questions. Like I'm a big on like gut check. So if you get that feeling like, man, like, I don't know, something's just off with my sis or something's just off with my brother, like asking the question and then asking the follow-up. So if somebody's just like, hey, I'm good let me just check in one more time. Like, tell me what's going well, right? And then if they can't come up with anything, then how are you good, right? Like, so if things aren't really good, like, then what's not going so well? So I think we have to ask the question so then we can hear what the true response is. And, you know, it's so important to ask the question, right? A lot of times we don't want to say like, hey, are you feeling suicidal or do you feel like you don't want to be here anymore because we're so concerned about how that person is going to respond? But just asking that secondary question is worth saving somebody's life. You know, that moment of discomfort is so worth it. That's so real. That follow-up question, you ask the like surface level, Mm -hmm. get that gut check. You need to say something else. Mm -hmm. Even if it may not be necessarily in that exact moment, but finding that space and time to circle back, I think is so powerful because it could be like, I just, I don't know quite yet, but I think that, you know, I, I'm, I've become a big fan of like, are you asking the right questions? Mm-hmm. It's really easy to ask the surface, how are you doing? What's new, etc. But really asking the questions that, you know, can actually get the answers you're looking for. Um, to see if somebody needs support, to see if there's a way that you can connect with them in, in, a, in a deeper way is just so critically important. I think like even asking questions though, truly is a skill. Like it's so many ways, that's, that's like a skill that we need to better socialize. I, I especially think in the black community because we don't spend enough time, I think truly connecting with family members, with friends, you know, we, we, we have to do a better job of giving people their flowers because then all of a sudden they're gone and you want to write the paragraph posts, go do that before. Mm. Go do that when they can, go do that when there's the space and time for you, like, go tell them that. Tell them that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like tell them that. Don't just tag somebody, go pick up the phone. and. I think we've made it, it's been, it's so easy to hide behind the keyboard. It's so easy to hide behind the screen. Especially now, sis. Yeah. Like, and and then COVID just like exacerbates that exponentially. Mm -hmm. 
go tell them. So if I ain't tell y'all this week, I think I did, but I love y'all. This is just I love cool. you, love you too, babe. I love the I loved the question that you asked Dr. Christ, Dr. Christie. You you didn't say like, well, what's wrong or what's going on? You said what's going well. That's a question that a lot of people don't ask because like Emmy said, it's not your everyday average surface level question. And it does kind of, you ever, <laughs> you ever been walking like past somebody and you might just say like, Hey, and they say, good. It's like a yep. response. <laughs> Anticipating. You can even ask, yeah. hey, how are you doing? It's just like, Hey, and they're like, good. Thanks. And I'm like, <laughs> like, <Sure. laughs> okay. Well, you also don't even you. know how to say it. Like, I think there were moments where friends asked me, like, "Hey, I know this is tough for people in your field. How you doing?" And you don't even what do you just say? Well, I actually just woke up this morning. And I thought about not being here. Like, you don't really know how to say it. So it is. There were moments where I was yearning, you know, during that time to tell someone, but I didn't even know how to articulate it, how to even get it started. So that follow up question had, you know, someone maybe in that moment said. Hey, actually, like, I don't like that answer. Or can you FaceTime or something? I probably, I would have been forced. I'm one of those people that like, you ask me a certain thing, I might just start crying. So, you know, it was easy for me to just say, I'm good, thanks. You know, or if they would ask, what have you been up to? That was very triggering for me because I felt like I had to have been up to something, you know, mm-hmm. as a creative. So that thing, that made me shut down a lot of times. For anyone listening, if you text me, what have you been up to? That's why I don't answer because I feel an extreme level of pressure to have to answer back, you know, not as much anymore, but especially during that, you know, March to May, it's like, I don't know. Have you been singing? No, <laughs> I'm not singing. I'm not doing anything. Um, so, yeah, um, I guess it would be a good time to go into what could you do if you or someone you know is suicidal? Are there any tips um, for us to help our listeners and us, you know, to be more educated about that. I think the first thing is is to listen, right? Like kind of like what you were just saying, Danny. Sometimes people don't want a response. Like they just want to be able to get it out. And we're so busy, like on to the next thing. I'm guilty of this too. It's like, what's going on next? Or that's funny. Keep scrolling on social media, you know? Okay, like, 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 you know, and it's like, let's slow down. So I think the first thing we have to do is to slow down to be able to hear some of the things people are saying or not saying, and also to be able to listen for the response. Um, and that your job isn't to fix it, right? So um, even as even as a psychologist or an Asenia, even as a therapist, like not every person that's suicidal is going to come see us. My, my role is to help get them to where they need to be safe. So realizing that, um, you know, one is listening. And then the second piece is you're just trying to get them to be safe. So just like if they were bleeding, you know, externally, your job is not to give them surgery. Your job is to get them to a doctor or a physician who can help them. And so, that's kind of the one of the pieces I would say. Um, and the other thing I would also say is like to keep asking the questions. Like it is so worth it. Like your discomfort around like this person um, not appreciating you, you continuously checking in on you. Like it's better for you to be uncomfortable than to read about them having lost their life, you know? And so we have to, and it's, it's all of us, like therapists can't do it. Most of my patients sat out there for years suffering before they had enough, you know, courage or resources or what have you to come in for therapy. So it's really not about the therapist doing it. It's about all of us in our everyday lives being willing to ask the questions. And sometimes we look 
outside of our homes for people. Sometimes you just need to go upstairs and like ask the person you live with, like, you good? Like, are you really okay? You know, like, how are you doing in the bit? I'm not anybody else. Who are you hiding in the bushes? <laughs> or she's doing that, that meme when, is it Homer Simpson backs into the, into the bushes? Yes. I see it right now. Right now, like, but you know, sometimes we're so busy serving the community and it's like the community is also our home. So we have to check in with those people that, you know, we work with, those people that are in our home and then also people outside of our homes too. Um, so listening, asking those questions, not being afraid to ask those questions again, listening for the response and then offering to call with them. Like, so if somebody is struggling, like, okay, let's call together to the suicide prevention um, hotline. Okay, you know what? I'm, I know it's COVID, but I'm gonna go with you to this uh, to the ER, right? We gonna mask up. Mask up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we need to do right, but whatever they need to do, so that you know you can keep them alive. Because in that moment, that's what you want to do. Um, and then I think, you know, you all, I think, modeled it really well. We all did really today you know, kind of acknowledging like, hey, like I've struggled in the past too, or like, I know the pain gets to be a lot or the pandemic sucks right now. And so let's just kind of get you somewhere where you can get some relief, right? Even just saying something like that and walking with them, not like, okay, yeah. Okay, Sydney, I'm gonna call the suicide crisis line girl. Okay, just check back with them, you know, a week. No, we're gonna walk these steps together, right? Life, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you share I think some really, some really key pieces around how we find the support, right? Like how can we all hold each other up and, and find support? And I think it's, it's pretty interesting, especially in the black community, how we, we turn to you know, spirituality or religion or faith mm-hmm. um, times as a source of strength. And to an extent is it can be the gift and the curse, right? Because it yeah. could be the same people that you're, you're, you're praising the Lord with that will turn around and condemn you when they find out something Ooh, happening. Judging yeah. crunchy church folk. Yeah. <laughs> That find they find out what's going on outside of those yeah. after you've passed the offering plate and they they didn't they didn't ran the credit card right, number. Check. All right. No, they don't want to know when the check clear. They don't want to necessarily know what happens after that. But what do you think are some ways in which you know I think family is also is, is a key one, but like maybe your spirituality or family. But what what do you think might be some some sources of strength or hope that people can can tap into um, when they are feeling at their lowest or feeling like they have no other options? Yeah, so I think faith and spirituality can, for some people, can be a source of strength. Um, I think family relationships can be a source of strength. I think uh, physical activity can be a source of strength, right? Just being able to get out of bed, literally, can be a source of strength. Um, I think also you have to ask, like, what is somebody's motivation to live, right? Like, is there one thing, and it could be something small to me as they're verbalizing it, but it could be something huge. Like, I just want to continue living so I can buy an Audi. All right, let's do it. Come on. If that's your motive, sorry, I love Audis. (laughs) If that's my motivation, if that's what's going to keep me alive, then let's do it, right? Or I want to keep living, you know, because I want to have children or grandchildren, or I want to break this generational curse of suicide or depression in my family. And so I want to get just don't know how. Right. And so I think it's important to figure out like what's important to that person. What is it that they value? Right. So what's important to you? What got you out of bed today? Like something got you out of bed today or yesterday. So when these times were hard, like 
Danny, so at some point in time, you were like, you know what, this pandemic has gone on too long, but at some point I'm going to get a gig, right? And like, mm-hmm. people are going to see me again and I'm going to continue to be amazing, right? You might not be able to see the forest or the trees, but like somehow you know that. And so it's right. like tapping into that, that piece that gives them value, that gives them worth and asking those questions. Like if you weren't here tomorrow, Sydney, like how would your family feel? How would your kids feel? How would, how would your boss feel? You know, how would, um, <laughs> how would the AKAs feel? Like what, what would life be missing if it didn't have Sydney or Emmy or Christy or Danny, you know? And so when you can ask those questions, then people start to be like, you know what? I am amazing. Like I got a little bit of black girl magic to offer this world. Let me try to find keep going. And so um, figuring out what it is for that person, because for everyone, it's different. For some of us, hope is through faith and prayer. For some of us, it's our families. For some of us, it's our physical health. For some of us, it's our jobs, um, music. Um, you know, I think now one piece that's really interesting, we're seeing so many celebrities who are being open about like suicidality and suicide attempts. And so if I can see that Tamar Braxton, you know, got help, then maybe that gives me hope, right? If I can, mm-hmm. Dak Prescott talked about, you know, being able to deal with his brother who lost his life to suicide, then maybe that is what gives me hope. But, you know, asking some of those questions to figure out for different people, um, what is going to keep them going? Because for all of us, it's different. That's so good. That's powerful. Yeah. It, it is a lot different. You know, as you were speaking about, you know, it could be Danny being back on stage again, or it could be, you know, for me, it was my, it wasn't until I started having these thoughts of suicide. That, and I'm, I'm, let me just be clear. I'm not saying it takes this to get to this point, but for me, it's what helped propel me into my purpose. It's helped what helped to clarify, like, why does God have me here? Because it was at the end of the day, I was like, if I can get through this shit (laughs) that I'm feeling that I know I'm a coach at heart. I'm a teacher at heart. I know that if I can get through this and I can coach somebody else through how to get through it too. I know that if I can get to the other side of this yucky ball of feelings that I'm feeling, I know that God will give me the tools and the words and the messaging to help somebody else make that same jump to the other side. Sometimes I sit in therapy and this is why, this is why I also believe that finding a good therapist is like finding a good pair of shoes and how people can connect. You know, I need a Christian therapist or I need a a therapist that's in tune with their spirituality. There are times where I'm sitting in session with a client and I might not know exactly where to go. And I will sit there and say a quick prayer as they're telling Mm -hmm. me what's going on. And I'll literally say, God help me to help me to get them to the next step. Give me the message that I need. Discernment. Give me Mm -hmm. the discernment. I will literally take a 10 second pause internally and say, God, I'm stuck here, but I know, you know, give me the words, give me the encouragement, give me the next step to help them get, get through it. So my, my, my experience with suicide ideation and thoughts helped propel me into this career. And so, um, again, I'll just say that on the other side of that really dark space, on the other side of that really low moment, like there is joy, there is a life full of meaning, there is joy again, there is so much hope and you don't have to walk that walk alone. You don't have to feel like you're a burden. You don't have to 
carry the shame. You don't have to carry the shame anymore. Like, if anything else, we want this podcast to show people, not just tell people, like, we are being vulnerable and transparent, and I'm sharing yes. my heart with you just so that you can see that you don't have to, you don't have to be ashamed. You're a human being. You have feelings. You have emotions. You are not equipped to walk this world alone. You are built to be connected to other people, and you know, find that if you need if you need a phone, a friend, call the podcast. Look, call Dad. Yeah. Call Dr. <laughs> Christy. Listen to listen to a, a dose on on the weekday. Listen to a remind you episode. Like tap into Dr. Christie's very popping Instagram. You know, like <laughs> find something to feel connected because baby, there is hope on the other side. I promise. Mm-hmm. Just got you. You can get out here preaching real good. Listen. I've been there. I have walked those I have walked that one. You are a testament. You are a testament. All of us are. Um, But a testament to what the other side looks like. You know, for someone to see you and have this idea of who you have been your whole life and to know, Mm -hmm. like, she too. You know, I, I, I think for me, the moments that I've heard other Black women speak up about it made me feel so seen. Because you do. It doesn't matter how much is going on, how progressive the world is. You still think when something happens to you that you're the only person that it's happening to. Good or bad or indifferent. You're like, I know don't nobody feel like I feel. You're like, yes, they do. You know? Um, And so I'm just so happy that we are talking about it. And I hope that potentially this saves someone's life to know, Um, especially Black women. I'm not, you know, excluding anyone from the conversation, but so often we are just not protected, you know, and we're, we're not able to identify or we feel like we have to put on our strongest suit in every avenue, in motherhood, in our career, in our relationships with our family members, with our partners. So it's like, how dare we have this moment of vulnerability? How dare we have this moment of not being okay? Um, so just empowering us to be able to say, like, I'm not okay today and I got to figure it out. And whether I have to do five things in the morning to make me be okay to put me in a right like mind frame that's okay too do what you gotta do girl yeah i mean whew, I'm, I'm i'm feeling energized i know we the, yeah. started off with like today we're talking about but now i'm feeling very energized and inspired and said i appreciate you passing the offering plate to danny <laughs> benediction right there um but i want to do a, a little quick rapid fire round i'm feeling i'm feeling some good vibes and uh-uh Yay. You get to answer one word. You don't get to describe <laughs> your reasoning behind it. Just give it to us. Okay, Dr. Christie. One I word, like a short phrase. Okay? One word. Everybody has to go. Oh. Everybody has to go. Okay. Your one word, because we, we want, you know, we all bring different things. And so the, the hope of this is that we will inspire or support some other people. All the questions are around are around things that you like. All right, I'm going top of the head real quick. So, oh, look. first one. Uh, hands started okay. sweating. <laughs> no, Sweaty ass. That's the rule. You can, don't, don't, because this one time. No, you just got to give it to <laughs> All right, what order to- are we going in? Sid going first, then Dr. No, Sid's not going first. Dr. Chris, yeah. I, like, I like that, Danny. <laughs> okay, great. Here we go. Okay. So, when you are feeling a little down, what is an activity that brings you energy? Having sex? Sorry. Bath. <laughs> I was like, I kind of don't want to say that, but I was, this, I was like, I was going to say bath. No, no extra explanation. We got sex, a bath, Sid. You can double down on sex if you want. 
Sex and walks are kind of like. <laughs> yeah, see, I don't stop adding extra. I'll say walks and start the Christmas. <laughs> and I'm going to say exercising. All right. Which is also sex. <laughs> right. Okay. Come on, dopamine. Endorphins. <laughs> okay. When you, when you need that pick me up snack, what do you go for? Salsa caramel ice cream. Mm. Oh, period. Bang, energy drink, flavor, cotton candy. Mm. Ice cream. I too love salted caramel. Mm. See, I'm a honey crisp apple. I don't know why they're so delicious. Why are you so healthy and and, and I want to exercise? I want to eat a honey crisp apple. A honey crisp apple. Maybe maybe it's the crunch. I mean, I'm breaking my own rule, but it can't be granny. It has to be the sweet, crispy. Ideally, the big, like, $2.99 each ones. It's the crunch for her. Exactly. It's the crunch for me. (laughs) (laughs) One. Last one. Because we have a diversity of of tastes here at the table. Okay. What is the song that brings you back? If you have a moment, you need to... What is this? It could be there's a song this week. It had to be your all-life song. Love, Love, Love by Donny Hathaway. Mm. You're such an old soul, Danny. You really Um, are. This week I've played Fred Hammond's When You Praise at least 86 times. Come on, 86. <laughs> that song will send me over, okay? When and No Weapon. Praise. Yes, come through No Weapon. My song is Before I Let Go. Before I let go. Sing, baby. <laughs> Insert electric slide. Mm. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What you got? What's your song? For me this week, it's been Black Parade. Like, something about just her sass in that song. You know, it makes me feel proud to be just, like, a very blackity-black. We love you, Beyonce. I have a new t-shirt. My new t-shirt is lightly melanated, hella black. It makes me feel very lightly melanated, Mm. black. I hear (laughs) Black Parade. Girl, you have to bring colorism into the conversation, right? <laughs> you can be black. I'm, I'm black and black, girl. Oh, oh, I appreciate you guys. I am leaving this space feeling energized. I hope Me too. You, uh, Sid, what we got? What we got? What we that's it for this week's daily dose of dopamine. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Christy, thank you so much. Yes, thank y'all for having me. Thank y'all for what you're doing too. This is this is super dope. Yeah. We appreciate it. I'm definitely going to be dropping that remind you link in our group chat. We talk about yes, all sorts of things, and Dr. Christy has some good gems, some good reminders um, for your day to day. Again, we're going to put her information on our IG and on the episode description, so you can check her out. There's enough Black Girl Magic. We can all have a popping podcast around. Absolutely. And so um, with that, thank you. We loved having you. This was good. This was everything we needed. It it was informative, but it wasn't like, oh, God, we're talking about Right. You know, something that people need to hear and need to learn about. And I just want to end with this, that if you are feeling um, suicidal, if you know someone that's suicidal, please don't wait to get help pick up the phone, like Dr. Christy said, call with your friend, um, call the hotline. We're going to put that number in our episode description mm-hmm. if it's necessary. So 
We love you. There's hope on the other side of this. We can get through this together. We got you. Well, this is a village. We, you know, we're going to get through this thing called life together. So mm-hmm. with that being said, that's it for this week's Daily Justice Dopamine. Let's all do our part to help prevent suicide. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts or feeling hopeless, or even if you want to help but don't know exactly what to say, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That number is 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. The Lifeline provides 24-7 free and confidential support for people in distress and could very well save a life. Thank you again for listening to another episode of your daily dose of dopamine. If you love today's episode with Dr. Christie, please make sure you're subscribed and that you rate and review the podcast. We love your support and of course your feedback. Have an amazing weekend and we'll see you on Monday.